0: This is the Millionaire Real Estate Podcast, where you'll learn the strategies and tactics you need to become a millionaire agent. Learn from top agents, brokers, team leaders, and experts in the industry who can help you on the path to success. And now, here's today's episode.
1: Hello, everyone. We are so excited. We have Chris Thwarty and he is from New Jersey, and we are so excited. We are going to be talking about the elephant in the room with commissions. We're going to be talking about listing objections, buyer objections, how to run a team, and so much more. So, Chris, welcome.
0: Thanks, so Thanks for having me today.
1: <laughs> well, let's talk about the elephant in the room. A lot of agents are talking about the commission lawsuits, and it If someone is under a rock and they have no idea what's going on with commission lawsuits with all kinds of companies, Keller Williams, Berkshire Hathaway, all kinds of companies are in these lawsuits. First of all, tell us what happened with the lawsuit and what, in your opinion, is making agents the most concerned right now?
0: So the commission topic right now is a very popular one out there. Um, It all started out in the West there was a massive class action lawsuit between a majority of the companies, Berkshire Hathaway, Keller Williams. It ended up getting in the favor of the plaintiffs. So right now, all the defendants and these real estate companies ended up having to put up a $50 million bond each in order through the appeal process. What the lawsuit was based upon was the fact that a seller did not feel the right that they needed to list their property in the MLS to be appealable to for all buyer brokers and pay a buyer broker commission to the buyer's agent. What in turn is making the whole process of real estate agents a little bit nervous right now is because now they're giving the ability to the seller to offer out zero commission to an actual buyer's real estate agent and show a property.
1: Yeah. So then the buyer's agents are like, if they make that rule where if let's say I'm someone who is a buyer's agent, my concern would be like, great all the listing agents who are kind of seasoned and so forth, they're going to be getting the commission and they're going to be having zero percent on the buyer's side. And do you think that's what's kind of one of the big things that's happening with agents that are having them concerned?
0: So I definitely think that's def- a aspect that's making most buyer agents nervous is because they're afraid that you're going to have Um, listing agents that are now going to have the ability to just take dual commission on every transaction and it's going to cut out the buyer's agent altogether. That's number one fear. Um, The also fear is if you have a buyer that chances is a first-time home buyer or they might have an FHA financing, VA financing or USDA financing, they might not have the ability to pay a buyer agent commission. So I definitely think these are things that are definitely making the agents, especially that more buyer heavy than listing heavy, a little bit nervous throughout this process.
1: Yeah. So, and what else do you think is like, if you had to kind of say like, here's where I think things are moving with that, do you have any predictions of what's going to happen with it?
0: I think by the time all the appeals play out, we're going to be in a different real estate market in general throughout this country. I think right now we're very low on inventory on the listing side. So it's creating all this unknown factor where the general public doesn't know where things are going to take it. But on our side of the business, at the end of the day, the clientele is going to need your level of expertise. They're going to need your ability to take, to hold the buyer's hand and go through the whole process of getting them qualified, showing them homes, going through the home inspection process, getting the mortgage um, commitment. Title commitment and take them all the way to the finish line. Close.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's move to objections real quick. Um, we I'm going to be the seller. We're going to start with the seller, and I'm just going to throw out objections to you, and I want you to handle them right back to me. Sound good? Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming by today, Chris. The first question I want to ask is, uh, you know, I see what you told me what your commission is, but I really need you to reduce your commission because I need to get more money in my pocket so I can move to my next home. So can you reduce your commission?
0: The first thing you brought me here to do was to get offers on your house. And your whole idea is you want to get as much money in your pocket. That's why you're hiring a professional real estate agent and such as myself. Now on that avenue, the whole idea is you don't want to low- reduce your commission because here's the avenue. You don't want to reduce the number of offers and traffic And have shown you have come through your front door. We want in this aspect to offer out a healthy buyer agent commission so that we get all these offers that do come through the door. And that aspect will reduce the highest sales price possible. Now, I don't mind working with you and reducing commission to an extent, but we're not going to reduce it all the way to the amount of the 4% that you were asking for.
1: So I do have some other agents that are willing to take less. So what would you say about that?
0: Remember this, you can always pick up the phone and call the first plumber that comes to your house, the first electrician. But in this aspect, you want the first person you call working on your house that's available in five minutes. No, you want the professional. You want the person that that has a track record for year after year after year of doing such a great and unbelievable job.
1: Well, the price that you gave me, you know, I feel like is good. But Zillow says my house is worth more. And so I feel like Zillow is very reliable. And so what do you say about that?
0: Zillow's a great starting point. It's a great avenue, Zillowrealtor.com, to end up getting basic value on your home. But the only thing at the end of the day that pulls an exact number of what your house is worth is comparable sales. That's why you pull comparable sales in the era of where your home is sold, because that is exactly what appraisers do in the process when a buyer is going to be purchasing your house a mortgage. The only way that in this avenue that we go through an aspect of the fact is that the house doesn't have to get appraised if the buyer's purchasing cash.
1: Well, I'm also considering renting the house out, so I'm, you know, kind of torn. What do you think about just keeping it as a rental versus selling it all together?
0: I think you have to ask yourself more important question. Do you plan on being a landlord long-term? For every great situation there is, and you have an unbelievable tenant, there's exactly the opposite. There's instances where you can have a tenant where during the pandemic, there was times where people were squatting in houses and they were staying there for nine to 12 months. And when you're as a homeowner or property owner have to pay that second mortgage, can you do that without collecting rent on a monthly basis? Is that something you can do? Not a lot of people can. That's why they end up short selling properties is a large part of the reason.
1: So you had said to me earlier on the phone that, you know, we want people fighting over my house. Like, How are you going to get people in the door and how are you going to get people to, you know, kind of really create like a bidding war?
0: So the first thing, anytime you list the house with a seller is we're a partnership. You know what I mean? It's it's a partnership where you're you're putting and in, in forwarding us over a product that is very quality. That number one is condition. We take a condition, we price it appropriately, and we have an extensive marketing plan behind us. And by using that extensive marketing plan, we're going to drive buyer after buyer after buyer through your front door. And then at that point, we're going to bring the offers to you, and we're going to see what best terms are suited for you to accept.
1: Mm. Well, what if I don't list it with you and I just tell you I will bring a buyer, like if you bring a buyer, I'll pay you, but I'm just i concerned about just listing it with with one person. I think I might just have a whole bunch of agents and say, if you bring me a buyer, I'll sell it.
0: Well, in this aspect, it makes more sense for you if you're going to pay and have a real estate agent. You want to make sure you have the protection to shoot. That's what it comes down to it's not just the ability to bring a buyer to your house it's the protection helping you throughout the whole process if there's attorney review based in that state if the fact is you know I mean during the inspection time period we want to make sure that you're protected throughout the entire transaction to close I've seen so many instances when a seller represents themselves where they get stuck in such a bad situation through inspections or where the aspect is for the final walkthrough they're giving out money out of their pocket they didn't necessarily need to
1: Well, I'm thinking about waiting for about six months because I want to do like a whole bunch of repairs to the house and a bunch of painting. I want to redo the kitchen stuff in the kitchen. So I'm thinking it's going to be at least six months before I list the house.
0: So if you're going that way, I mean, my recommendation is you want to, depending on the area you're in, the hottest time is always springtime. So you're going to want to list your house sooner rather than later. I wouldn't recommend waiting six months. I try to maybe cut that time down in half and maybe you're in more well three months
1: yeah and i would right at that point i would start going through the repairs and figuring out what things they actually need to do because a lot of people are wasting their money on doing all the stuff for repairs and spending a lot of time i will tell you one of the things that you know I, i think is a huge repair that And you might disagree with me, but there's, I'll give you two stories about it. One, there was this lady who, you know, painting has gotten out of control prices for painting a house now. And um, this one lady, she went through and she spent $12,000 on repainting the house. And the house was already like neutral colors. It just had like a little scratches here and there. So she spent $12,000 And then it's funny, one of our clients, we went and looked afterwards. She ended up getting cancer and she had to list the house like four months later. And she had called us and she said, you will not believe this. After I spent $12,000 on painting the whole house, you know, white, she went through and painted everything in like black and dark purples and da, 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 da. And she she saw that and she was so mad that she wasted, you know, the $12,000, but that sometimes the paint painting the house can be a huge waste of money, especially depending on how much it is. And if the if you're already have, you know, it's just got some nicks in there. What do you what do you think about that?
0: I think every seller's situation is different. You have to come in and assess it and see what makes the most sense in order for the seller to spend as little money as possible to gain the most out of it. Because that's always the issue when you're dealing with um not a brand new construction house, but a residential resale. Where do you start? Where do you stop with repairs? You have to make sure if the seller's expending $1 out of their pocket, they're hopefully going to see money back for that.
1: Yeah, and I want to address the whole springtime one because the objection that uh, I've heard is a lot of people say, well, I've heard the best time to sell is in the spring, so I want to wait until the spring to sell my home. And how I would handle that objection is is that Everything rises and falls on supply and demand. That's what everything goes on. And so, yes, in the spring, we have a lot more houses available and a lot more people put their house on the market. So guess what? You've got a lot more competition. If you put your house on the market now and not wait until the spring, well, guess what? we don't have we're right now there's lots of people who are moving here they need a house so there's not a lot of inventory so actually you're going to be able to get more for your house when things are with the supply and demand so i always bring it back to that so necessarily waiting until the spring actually could get you less money let's uh let's move to the buyer objections so um if someone, I'm now a buyer, and I say, I just want to see the house. I don't want to get pre-approved yet. I just want to see the house.
0: Well, in that aspect, it's important to get pre-approved to make sure you're comfortable with affording the price tag of the property. I always state when you're getting pre-approved, you always want to look at the monthly payment. You never want to expend the monthly payment. You only want to take it away from the quality of life you're used to, whether it's vacations trips wherever it is um but now this is pre-approval is very important because it makes sure you have the credentials before you waste your time spinning your wheels and aren't able to purchase a home because of maybe a minor tweak in credit debt to income job history whatever it is
2: the reasons why i joined and i just love kanzel is that i can get 100 commission i get revenue share and i get stock i am making thousands of dollars every single month in revenue share in stocks and i now don't have to work nights and weekends on real estate anymore you know i've actually never been to a real estate agent's retirement party and i want to be the first one that people are coming to at a young age and i want to share with you some of my favorite resources so if you go to join free there's a couple that i want you to download one is a 20 free lead generating pdf it's going to help you generate leads for free that you can download as well as there's one on how to double your business i don't want you to miss it go download it today join slash free
1: so my rental is not up for another six months so i guess i'm just going to have to wait for six months before i buy
0: well technically if you find a property beforehand that you're interested in, are you going to break that lease early?
1: I mean, I don't want to pay for double income for six straight months.
0: Okay. Well, what we can do in this aspect is maybe we can get some seller's assist back and in that avenue, we can start looking now because it might take two, three months before you find something.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, what about, I don't want to be tied to one agent of on buying a home because I feel like If I sign a buyer broker with you, you know, I want to keep my options open. I want to be able to find my most important thing is finding the right house. And so I really want to have multiple people looking so that I can make sure that I'm, you know, finding the right house for me.
0: So going through the home ownership process and going through a purchasing new home can be a very exciting but also very scary process. You want to make sure you have somebody who's advocating for you the entire time. That's why it makes sense for you to work with one real estate agent. Even if you don't want to sign a buyer broker contract, if you sign one strictly for just one house or sign it for a time period with giving one day notice to cancel, the avenue of the actual job that you're doing on a specific and long-term basis, you'll see that I'm the person to work with you because I will only be working for your best interest at all times.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that I think what we do and I suggest people do, they don't have to, but I say to people, listen, I want you to know that we have an easy exit agreement on this, meaning if at any time you call me and I don't answer or you feel like I'm dropping the ball, I'm not sending things over your way, you can give me notice and say, hey, I would like to end this buyer broker agreement because I don't feel like you're doing A, B, C, and D. Let me fix it. If I can't, then I'm not going to hold you to this contract. It's an easy exit agreement that I have with you so that you can feel comfortable on the listing side and the buyer side that I'm going to do everything I'm going to say I'm going to do and here's all the things I'm agreeing to do. So We have um, a sample of that easy exit listing for sellers and buyers that you guys are welcome to uh, look at. And um, we can give that to you guys if you email uh, bod at canzel.com. We can send that out to you guys. Um, So uh, let me give you one more um, that's happening right now. I feel like interest rates are going to go down. And I want to get more house for my bang. And so, you know, all the in the news that are talking about interest rates are going to go down this year. So I'm going to wait till interest rates go down to buy.
0: Well, when you go the route of waiting to have interest rates go down before you purchase, so is every other buyer that's looking at the the market right now. So that point, what's going to end up happening is while interest rates do go down, the price of homes are going to go up because the amount, of interest is going to go up. And that avenue, the price you're paying for the house is going to be more if the fact is you purchase a property now and refinance when rates do go down.
1: All right, so let's talk about, you've got a great team and I want to talk about accountability. So here's the thing with, uh, with team members that I have found is there's this like perfect balance between holding agents accountable on your team But also, you know, the reason why they got into real estate is because they wanted to be self-employed and they want to do their own thing. So you've got to find kind of that middle ground. Talk to us about how you hold your agents accountable and some things that you put in place to have them love working with you, but also they're feeling like they're being held accountable.
0: So the best way that we call our agents accountable is on a weekly basis when we do have our team meeting. What they do is they sit down with our marketing slash lead director and they review every single client they have in their database currently they're working with as well as every new incoming lead they've had over the past week. And they make sure and classify them by if they've spoken to the lead, if they've taken the lead out, if they've buyer's gotten pre-approved, if they've end up presenting an offer, if they've wanted a contract, if the property sold. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest way we do that is because we make sure we do not have anything fall through the cracks and especially this time, needy time.
1: And how long are they spending with them? Um, you know, it's on each,
0: each call. Roughly about 15 minutes. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's per week instead of spending an hour every month. 15 minutes every week makes a lot more reasonable time frame for this buyer
1: agent. Yeah, I love that. Well, you know, finding the balance from account of the, like people want to be held accountable, but they don't want to feel like they're being micromanaged. So, give us a few more examples of how to hold people accountable without having them feel like they're being being micromanaged.
0: The biggest thing is finding that happy medium how you stated, and my thing is i think if you have a weekly team meetings as opposed to some teams do um daily team meetings yeah you know i mean when they do morning roundups i think that's a little bit overwhelming to some agents in general because then it then comes it almost feels like um it's overwhelming so that's mm-hmm. the one on the meeting side of things um also I think it's very important for a team leader to sit down with each team member on a quarterly basis so they can sit down and get to know them, not just for what their wants and needs are from work, but outside of work. Because sometimes when you see what a team member is going through outside of work, it dictates the performance in work. And you can find ways to help them overcome boundaries.
1: Yeah. And I think like establishing clear commitments, clear guidelines, and clear responsibilities that they're supposed to do, and then giving them, like having them each week make commitments on that are specific, measurable, and actionable, and also in a team setting. So like we do a kind of a stand up at 10 30 in the morning where everyone can kind of come on and they have team members holding them accountable for what they want to do. And also having an accountability partner um, can, can help with that as well. But the key is it's getting the accountability partners to hold them actually accountable. Like it's like you can have an accountability partner, but if neither one actually holds them accountable, then it doesn't work. Yes. Yeah. Um, So tell us a little bit about what you're doing at, to get you guys get a ton of client referral. So they're kind of giving you a lot of referrals. What are you doing to generate so many client referrals?
0: So the best way to do it is I actually created my own networking group. Some people call it BNI, everybody's different, but to be able to sit down and able to find the best um avenue of electrician, plumber, uh party planner, wedding corner, everything in your database. And then at that point, i meet with them once a month and go through and just, I have overwhelming responsive referrals. That to me was the best thing I ever did because it was creating my own. And it was, I was getting in business with people and professionals I wanted to be in business
1: with. Oh my gosh. I love that. So I did something called Virginia Beach Speed Networking. Um, we met every single week, which is way too much. I love the once a month. I used to be in a BNI and i group and I would dread going to that meeting. It was like two hours long and it was the same thing every week. And we were at like a Chinese buffet. And if you know me, like I'm I like to eat very like organic and clean. So I'm like, I'm not eating Chinese food buffet. <laughs> but anyway, um, so tell us a little bit more, like, what does that look like? How did you create this networking group? And, you know, give us all the details of what, how you started it, when you meet, how long is it? All of that.
0: So we meet once a month. It's only an hour. It created a couple of years ago, me and Ashley, my friend and it titled business meet, the two of us came up with it together. And we didn't just sit here limited to real estate. We just limited it to business. Any business there is. Just bring one person in that's a professional. and but what we did do is we created the group around similar people that similar lifestyle changes. So we as the group was growing, we were all growing within our careers together. Mm.
1: I you know what I'm thinking right now out loud is that I should start another networking group and we should because we're now in twenty states, so and have each state create one. But do it on Zoom. Because could you imagine, like to me, if you created a Zoom networking group, right? Where Because businesses are busy, right? Like even once a month for me to have to go to the lunch and be there. I mean, everyone's so busy. If you created a 30-minute or even a 15-minute networking group where you guys committed to doing it once a month on Zoom, you could hand out referrals. Give us, what does that look like? I want to, like, tell me, like, when you guys meet once a month, What it, I, I, I know what B&I looks like. How are you different from B&I?
0: We're a little bit different because what we do is we, it's business first, then it's more it's more networking and social hour. So the first thing we do is when we come in here, we do it a little bit differently where we have a box and everybody comes up and drops a referral in the box at that time. That's how we do it immediately from the beginning. Um, then at that point, we just each one of us broaches if they want to talk about something that they're, they're undergoing a change in their business, like the commission lawsuit and, re, and our real estate business. Feel free to bring that up, e- even though that not everybody in that meeting is in the same exact field from you. They're business minded, so if they're business minded, maybe they can come up with a solution to the problem you're dealing with. Mm.
1: So how long is the meeting?
0: No, more than one hour. That's it. Okay. One hour, one-
1: yeah. So in the very beginning, like, just tell us, like, from this time to this time we do this. Kind of give us a breakdown.
0: So we just, like, from 7 to 7.15 in the morning, usually it's the referral aspect. From 7.15 to 7.30, usually talk about a- any topic in businesses that we're dealing with nationally right now. Then usually from 7.30 to 7.45, then we talk about a specific problem somebody's having. And then 7.45 to 8, it just open for whatever anybody wants to speak and discuss it.
1: Love it. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you for giving us all of your insight. Is there anything that I have not, we're out of time, but before we leave, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share with the agents out there of what they can do to kind of grow their business and take it to the next level in 2024.
0: The biggest thing is center of influence, sphere and networking. That's the biggest thing I can tell for an agent right now to survive with. It's about oh,
1: what was the first thing you said? Say that again.
0: Um sphere and networking.
1: Well well but you said something else.
0: Oh center of influence?
1: When you say that you said I am not understanding. You said center of influence. Is that what you said?
0: Yeah. So some more of the just like your database, your friends, your family, your biggest thing right now, I feel, is you need to be you need to be speaking to people, whether that's through phone, text messages, uh, in person. It's human interaction because that's what people have been missing since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. The the lottery getting getting in front of people. That to me is the most important thing right now. And that's going to different the professional to the person who's just doing this as a job.
1: Love it. We'll tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you
0: so you can follow us at the tri-state real com. that's our website. We're also on American dream TV uh monthly um, and then I mean like I said, we'll hopefully we have more episodes with you in the future.
1: I love it. Well you guys stay tuned. we've got another guest coming up in just a few.
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review so we can get this out to more agents. And tune in next week for another power-packed episode. This is the Millionaire Real Estate Podcast.